You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the podcast feed of my show, The Comedian's Comedian Podcast. But this episode sort of is and sort of isn't one of them. You might be aware in the last few weeks since the Panny D hit, uh, with apologies to people who hate me using that term and whoever my wife pinched it from before I pinched it from her and have since popularised it on this show. Um, You might be aware that I have been doing some non-com pods, which are a version of this show with people who either aren't necessarily comedians, are newer comedians than would ordinarily be on the show, uh, or are simply interesting people to talk to. Or, in this case, are people who are long-term, like super deep, deep deep-cut fans of the show, like my guest today, um, who was always a little bit eggy about coming on the show for reasons that may become clear or maybe uh, will be lost to the edit. Um, Basically, what's happened is Brett Goldstein, one of my favourite comedians, one of my favourite people, and uh, a genuine... What's, a, what's the phrase? A com-completist. Um, someone who has listened to every episode of this show and all the post-ambles, horrifyingly. Um, and has never wanted to come on to the show because, as we discuss early in this interview, um, he said to me many years ago that he, uh, he, he I'm really good at calling people on their shit and he doesn't know what his shit is and he doesn't want me to call it on him, uh, call him on it. So we, we're going to get into that. Basically, all this is is a disclaimer that I did not trick Brett Goldstein into appearing on this show, right? Because I said to him, come and do a non-com pod, it's very gentle, but all all I can do is be me. So even though I was trying to have a gentle, friendly chat with him, the things that fascinate me are the things that fascinate me. So there may be... There's quite there's some quite fun fencing in this episode as he and I uh, he kind of calls me on trying to trying to winkle his secrets out of him. I apologise and then not exactly like in a, in the right light you might see it as a manoeuvre. Uh, in in an, in a, a more positive to me light you might see it as me simply just returning to form and doing what I do accidentally. Look, I promise, and I've squared this with Brett. He's cool with this going out. Um, uh, it's. I mean, it's an absolutely belting episode of ComCom, but it's also a non-com pod. We're going to talk about um, humility. We're going to talk about his fear of boredom. We're going to talk about Brett's workaholism. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to realise that I have comprehensively buried the lead because he has his own anthology show that he has written uh, coming out on AMC and we barely touch on it, but we will cover it towards the end. If you're in the Insiders Club, there is some fantastic extra stuff. Um, A backstage view of Brett's uh, Films to be Buried with podcast. uh, And he also goes into detail on how a run of terrible gigs 
Briggs way back during the Comedy Reserve, which is an Edinburgh Fringe show run by the Pleasants, I believe, um, where newer comics are kind of given a platform and just go hard and you actually, I can't remember if you get paid. It's one of those things where early in your career, it's the thing you really, it's one of those things you really want to try and do. And then people finally get it and have all sorts of experiences. We're going to talk to Brett in detail uh, about how that kind of became a brutal boot camp for it. And then I'm going to give him a load of unsolicited advice on how to navigate his mental health. If you're an insider, you can access that on the private podcast. And if you are not, you can join the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders for all of that and much, much more. I'm going to tell you who's coming up on the infinite sofa in the middle bit. Suffice to say, it's another tremendously stonking lineup, and I'm also going to point you towards the episode preceding this on the main podcast feed, which is a little trailer. It's just seven or eight minutes of Russell Howard, Sarah Millican, and Abandon Man all having glorious fun and sort of illustrating how much the infinite sofa is. I do hope you'll join me there Mondays and Thursdays at 9pm at infinitesofa.com. If you don't know what I'm talking about, scoot back in your podcast feed and listen to that trailer. Now, let's get down to absolutely not business, just a friendly, gentle chat with no hidden agenda with my friend, Brett Goldstein. You are one of a small group of comedians who listens pretty religiously to the podcast and often texts me with comments and... uh, uh, let's leave it at comments. <laughs> comments about various interviews, acts, what have you. I've heard um, every single episode. There's only oh. one only one that I gave up on. Oh, there's no way we can identify no, it now, unless it, it's one of the three dead people. No, they're not dead. And it was... Okay. Uh, uh, We're it narrowing was, um, it down. We're narrowing it down. This is how you get it. <laughs> Softball first. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it wasn't and it you. Would... It wasn't you, by the way. It was that, that <laughs> That's they four. were four unbe- down. unbearable. But I did do 40 <laughs> minutes of it, and I was like, do you know what? I don't want to get to heaven and God say any regrets. And I go, yeah, that I finished that app. <laughs> I've gone, come on. I'm so pleased you think about the uh, podcast in such mythological terms. I think <laughs> that's very important. Um, but so you're, you're someone, you, you listen to it a lot, and yet you yeah. never wanted to be on it. And the, or you never, like, you never flat refused. But I remember you said to me years ago, and it was part of when I thought, I was sort of in the phase of thinking, oh, I've, I've really got something here. Mm. Um, you said, "I don't want to be." Can you remember what? Can you remember the reason you gave me? Well, my reason, I think, is that you that that I don't want. You'd ask me if I'm happy, and I'd say yes, and then you'd ask me again, and then I'd burst into tears, and I don't want. <laughs> I don't think anyone needs that. The although that's certainly the case, yeah. <laughs> potentially the case. The reason you gave at the time was um, you're really good at calling people on their shit, and I don't know what my shit is, and I don't think I want to be called on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, that's fair. As in, I do. I think that's probably true. Is that you? You? You sometimes are like a a, a mean bully. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> with people, and you say like, "Well, you know, you're a bit like this," and I worry you'd say something that I didn't know, and then I'd be incredibly self conscious for the rest of my career and wouldn't be able to continue to do stand up because I'd done fucking com com pod and it ruined my life. <laughs> Why do you think that you're scared of that? Here we go. <laughs> I ain't falling for your shit. The next thing you're going to do is not say anything for ages, so I keep talking until I go, oh, I guess my mum didn't love me enough and I, I do it to perform for her, really, but I don't let her come to the gigs. I don't know what that says. <laughs> um, I will... Having this. Okay, so that's a fantastic example of... Uh, so, <laughs> this is the biggest circle jerk. In fact, I don't think it is a jerk. It's both of us wanking me off. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But mm. what I would do, this is my interview technique for yeah. when this happens. That's a hard block. We've had a hard block from Goldstein. <laughs> Leaving the question hanging in the air, yeah. I will now lead you up the garden path on a safer topic you're more comfortable with yeah. before suddenly referring yeah. back to the point I made. <laughs> Go for it. No. <laughs> no, no, no. What was the question? Why, why do I think it is that I don't want to do it? Or that I oh, don't no, want to I mean, know? You've, you've pretty much answered it, but yeah. I am. I, one of the things I find fascinating about you is the combination of, like... Real brilliance. I think you're a brilliant stand-up comic. I remember Thank doing you. not just your shows that I've seen. I've seen many of your shows and I love them. Mm. I remember seeing... We both did a gig at the Harrison for Garrett Millerick. Do you yeah. remember the Harrison? Yeah, of course. It was a new material spot and I had... I think I'd just moved out of London. I think we'd just had my first child and I'd not been long out of London and I was going back into London to do a couple of gigs and it was. I, I definitely feel it was... I was probably just post-parenthood and a bit wobbly-eyed. Yeah. And I turned up with some stuff that I thought was pretty hot shit, actually. And then I uh, did it, and it was absolutely fine. And then you went on after me and just destroyed with stuff that you'd clearly only just written. Ah. It was so... And I remember... Like, it really... I properly... I, and, and one of the great things about you and your comedy is that I love you too much to hate you, so I'm not jealous. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was one of the, that's the that nicest is, thing you could say. I think that's the purest thing in comedy, yeah, is when you love someone you. so much that you're happy to see them do well. <laughs> <laughs> that rare that rare feeling. That's very nice, Stuart. Thank you. But you're... So you, you are a brilliant comedian, as well as a screenwriter and an actual movie star. We'll get on to... I mean, movies... Do you think... I mean, you obviously don't think of yourself as a movie star no. because you are the most humble man I've ever met. But you have written and starred in a movie. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, that's true. So if you starred in a movie, you are therefore a movie star, right? If, you, if you're using language in that way, OK. <laughs> if you're using language, then I will have to accept that it's the case. If, if, if we are going to be doing this audio podcast using <laughs> verbal words, OK. So that you have this amazing humility. Like your, do you remember? Do you remember Felicity Ward's DJ set one year in the, the closing night of the Edinburgh Festival? God knows how long ago, four years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And... I remember everyone took their tops, tops up, right? off. Yeah. As soon as me or Parry, normally Parry shouts tops. It's normally me shouting it to try and make Parry shout it. <laughs> yeah. Shouts tops off. Everyone takes their tops off. Fantastic. Yeah. And it turned. It was the first time I'd noticed how incredibly built you are, right? Like you, you clearly lift weights, right? But you'd never know it. Not. I don't mean to look at you, but mm. you'd never. You don't carry yourself like a man who <laughs> who lifts weights, right? Yeah. And it, you're you're just. Like, you didn't want to take your top off, but you had the best body in the room, but you were so humble, you are like, oh, I'm not going to take my top off, obviously I'm not going to do that. And you eventually did, because I'm a very persuasive man. So, <laughs> so what you I'm took interest- me to the toilet. Things, things escalated very quickly. <laughs> so what I'm interested in is your kind of, I think, is diffidence the right word? It's, it's humility, and it's kind of, like, you're clearly brilliant I'm not going to say you're brilliant at everything you do. You're brilliant at all the stuff you do that I've seen you do. You're an incredibly warm and engaging host of a podcast. You're a brilliant comic who's not just... You're not just a bloke in a T-shirt. You may be wearing a T-shirt, but you're telling proper long stories about stuff that are populated with characters and thought and emotion. It's all weighted and written and funny as fuck. And movies and all the rest of it. And yet you're just... It's not that you're... You are down to earth, but it's not that you're just down to earth. It's like you're incredibly humble. Now, did you 
Is there a thing? Do you have like a particular parent that kind of beat into you? You must always put other people first. You feel like, I feel like your personality has already undergone a movie about self-discovery and you're the post-movie you. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you've done an incredible love bomb and I really appreciate it. <laughs> and if you want me to cry, I'm close. I'm on the edge, you can. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think... Uh, OK, look, the, I don't know the uh, where it comes from, but I do know that I do not have... Um, arrogance uh I, I i i my my default is i'm sorry to be here that's my <laughs> yes yes that's how i feel so sorry sorry do you mind if i do you mind if i come and uh, you know and i don't and it, that that hasn't really ch- changed uh <laughs> and i and i sometimes he is i don't know well i don't know yeah uh go on uh, no, I don't. I think it, I don't know. I think it comes. Uh, well, some, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking maybe, like, my 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 parents are lovely, very nice people. Maybe they didn't instill a sort of you're you could do it. You, you're like I don't know. Not that they said you couldn't. I'm sure they said you could, but I just think. The whole thing's slightly embarrassing as well, isn't it? Everything, life, generally is slightly embarrassing. And so anything... So that, so I work very hard, but don't, you know, keep it, keep it on the down low. No one needs to... <laughs> like, everyone's working. I don't know, maybe it, was, maybe it was hanging out with actors for a bit before I did stand-up and thinking, fuck me. These people are the worst. I, like, I just knew that I am so fucking lucky, and that is the reality of it as well, is that I work really, 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 really hard, but I also think I'm so lucky because I am doing all the things that I really wanted to do, and that is such a privilege and such a dream and all that stuff. And I also know that it isn't being a nurse or a doctor or a like it isn't I'm not doing anything worthwhile <laughs> like and uh, as as so the the aim is make if you're gonna fucking make stuff make sure it's really fucking good because you are so lucky to be doing this you are so lucky but also once you've done it you haven't been a nurse or a doctor so fucking keep your mouth shut son <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like when you talk, when I when I hear actors in particular, I don't know why I'm having such a go at actors, but uh, the, the, when you hear people talk about like oh, like I got, had a real problem with the Revenant, which is a film where all the interviews were like it was so hard, it was so cold, and I ate a bison and stuff. And you go, you were also paid twenty five million and <laughs> had uh, models delivered to your hotel room every night. And like, it's really not that hard being you, Leonardo DiCaprio. And yeah. uh, and also, shut up. You made you've made a like as in. I always think it's interesting when you watch Singing in the Rain, which is my the greatest film ever made. Okay, Gene Kelly. Doing singing in the rain, he had a cold, 
He performed Singing in the Rain with such joy. It was like 24 hours of non-stop rehearsal. His feet were bleeding, all sorts. He yeah. never said any of that. He doesn't go, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> that was hard, man. I've worked so hard to do He just goes, here's the thing, and it's joy. And he doesn't put... You, the audience, don't have to like go, God, poor Gene Kelly, I, hope, I know he's been through a lot. You can just... Here's the thing. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. And I think... Um, I think, though, that that example of Singing in the Rain is a sort of thing that you would use, that one would use as kind of a, a totem afterwards. After you'd made that decision of like, OK, I am like this, that realisation, if mm-hmm. not a decision, I am like this, I'm, I want to be humble about my work. Then the, the, the Singing in the Rain example is, is something that, you know, that's a shorthand way of describing it. But it mm-hmm. wasn't seeing Singing in the Rain that made you like that. I know. Maybe but... it was, maybe I... it was, <laughs> go on. Well, I've always, I've always, I've just always, look, I also think, I know what you're doing, you piece of shit. Look, aren't all comedian, look, everyone's different, but is the, is the, well, no, fuck you. <laughs> what are you, you're asking, where does this all come from? And yeah, the, I just, I just wonder why you're so... Uh, why you're so nice? Why you're so humble? I do, listen. Obviously, I'm not as nice as you think because you don't see me all the time, and sometimes I am. I'm also a very angry person, you know. But I are you? keep it quiet. Keep that. On are the, you? Keep that on a fucking down day. No one needs to know that. <laughs> I can believe that. I don't mm. think I've ever seen you be angry. But I could believe that you. Why? Why do you do you think you're when you say you're a very angry person? Do you think you're more angry than the this next person? This is such a person? stitch up. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, all right. Here's what I have thought because obviously I've thought about your fucking show, and if you ever tricked me onto it, which you now have, I can't <laughs> believe this shit. The reason I do comedy, I believe, and the reason it's always been there is because. I always felt from birth, as far as I can remember, that I was on the outside of things looking in. Mm-hmm. And that, so it wasn't that I thought I was funny, although mm-hmm. I'm sure on some level, hopefully I was. But it was that I remember being at school, being young, and just sort of sitting there thinking, this is fucking mad. We all just sit here and like listen to this tall person at the front, and we all just go along with this and like, and then people, and I, and when I was, I've done stand-up about this, but it took me a long time. I was quite a sort of old man child, like a miserable old man. <laughs> and, uh, and when, um, uh, I'd, when we were like teenagers and we just like, everyone would just get drunk and fight. And I'd think, this is so bleak. Is this it? Is this what, is this what we're meant to do now then? Is it? We just do this for a bit and then what? And then we have, oh God, everything's so shit. And then one day I did ecstasy and then everything changed. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. Okay. Couple couple of questions. Yes. Where you grew up, people would entertain themselves by getting drunk and fighting. Is that school kids? School, yeah. At school, it was like Saturday night. Everyone would get drunk. uh, And then there'd be a fight outside the kebab shop. And like, is that what is that? And I why, was always like, this isn't fun, is it? But it's sort okay. of what, what is that why uh, you started lifting weights? 
No, no, no. I started lifting weights because of Super Bob. Okay. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Specifically because of Super Bob. Okay, yeah, fine, yeah. fine, fine. I did wonder. I wondered. I kind of had visions of young Brett Goldstein. Uh, <laughs> hench. Little decided, hench. Well, Old man kid. On a, well, you know, in your 20s, say, deciding yeah. I want to be a I want to be a leading man. I want to be a Hollywood guy. I want to be a movie guy. And if you like something I never realised is that even the guys playing not schlubby, but like even Paul Rudd is built, right? Yeah. <laughs> because if you want to be in movies in the first yeah. place, you have to be. Because if I walked onto a movie set, I would look like I was playing a dweeb simply because in terms of like in, in You're the guy on the computer. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because I just have a normal body as opposed to whatever normal means. But do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm not I'm not like I don't look like a leading man. Whereas I kind of I twi- I felt like, oh yeah, oh Brett's thought about this. He noticed that some time ago. No, it was it was for Superbob. It was because okay. the the idea of Superbob was that he had to be an actual superhero. He just was a. Uh, it was like, what if a shy man <laughs> be- became a superhero and didn't? Because the idea was, you can be uh, like a big guy and kick in a door, but it doesn't mean you've got the personality for that. Doesn't mean you like if everyone then looks at you, you might be like, "Sorry, sorry, I just got to come in and get <laughs> and get a thing." And Super Bob took a long time from like, is that when it got optioned, or I don't really know. Super Bob was basically was five years to okay. five years to make eighteen days to shoot. Okay, so and it was a long time, and so I did start working out for it, and then it kept being delayed and kept being delayed, and then I, and then it was like, oh, this is what I do now, is it? <laughs> and also, look, you know this. You talk about it, and you're bloody disgusting podcast that I'm furious I've been tricked into you're not you, it, it's good for your brain exercise yes. yes it is good for your brain it is and I now do it for my mind because without and when it, you were when you were working out for Super Bob was yeah. there a different flavor to the training because you knew you were going to be in a movie because I've often thought when I work out, which is now a thing I'm having to come clean about yeah. doing, before everyone, due to the Panny D, uh, started doing all these Joe Wicks workouts every yeah. morning. And incidentally, it did occur to me earlier on. Uh, there's always been something familiar to me about Joe Wicks, and I think he reminds me of you. And I think <laughs> I'm going to start putting a rumor about that he's your brother. I think I've got a distribution network that I can. Uh, in fact, I might edit this bit out you and know. try and cobble together in the edit. You go, yeah, yeah, Joe Wicks is my brother. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my best friend does look exactly like Joe Wicks, and so, I mean, it, I could I could get a picture with him and. By best this friend, do you mean brother? Do you mean yeah, your brother? Yeah, Joe yeah, Wicks? I could, yeah. I could help this a lot. <laughs> okay, um, but. Um, when I, so I started doing them on the 1st of January because I just felt incredibly old and creaky and incapable and like I'd hated myself for 10 years for not doing any exercise. Mm. So I slightly got the jump on what now everyone is doing with the kind of, with the pandemic. Like, oh, we're all trying to, you know, do something because otherwise you'd go mad. And I certainly have experienced, like, it, I don't know about the long-term mental health benefits, but in a day, if you're not looking forward to doing it and then yeah. you've done it and then you've done it, you feel really good because yeah. you've done it, right? Yeah. So... Sometimes when I do a workout, I wonder what it would be like to be doing that workout because, like Kumail Nanjiani, right? You know, who's just yeah, kind of yeah. incredibly ripped for, is it the Eternals? Or some sort yeah. of Marvel thing. I'm pretty sure it's the Eternals. <laughs> um, but, but I wonder, I, I kind of daydream about what it would like to be doing an extra rep because you knew you were going to be in a movie. Like, was that your experience of doing it? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, it definitely it motivates you more and I do I looked at Kumail 
uh, his picture and I actually felt sorry for him because I thought the problem you have, which is the problem I have, is once you've done a big old thing like that, you then think, well, I can't let this go, can I? Because it's taken fucking ages. And, <laughs> and then everyone will go, do you remember when you used to look like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've raised the bar, and now that's the bar. Yeah, you are a slub. You piece of shit. (laughs) Right. So go on. You're um, you're avoiding. uh, You're feeling like when you said you're an outsider looking in. That's definitely a. Of course, I relate to that. I'm sure that is that is an element of our friendship. That's an element of the way by which pretty much from first meeting each other, we were like, oh, I like you. Mm-hmm. So that's what I remember at least. <laughs> I remember really thinking stew. one day he's going to fucking right stitch me up. <laughs> really, Stu, I don't remember us meeting. Um, <laughs> but I think we, you know, we we are coming at it as we know from talking to comics that uh, lots of us feel like we're outside outsiders mm-hmm. looking in. But I suppose the way in which I felt like an outsider as a child was, and still now, was that I felt like the world makes sense. Everyone knows their role. And I don't know what my role is. Whereas it sounds like a very different uh, version right. of outsiderness for you, where you felt like the, my surroundings, the world as I know it, don't make sense. This is pointless. I'm different to this. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I thought... Yeah, I guess I did think I was different to this, but not in like... Uh, just Yeah, I just thought, this is all bollocks. And, uh, and I also definitely uh, made a choice very early on, like, I will do anything not to have a normal job. Same. <laughs> I'll do yeah. anything. And, uh, and now, and the, you know, the, I now w- work, you know, I, I've, like I say, but the thing is, all the things I could complain about, I can't complain about because I'm incredibly lucky. Like, I fucking work ridiculous hours non-stop like a mad person, but I'm doing what I wanted to do. Like it's, you can't, you can't complain. You can't be the guy going, oh, it was really cold on set after I got (laughs) picked up. But let's, let's take that for granted. You've mentioned it twice now. and We know you're on a level, right? We get it. We get it. Brett, Brett appreciates everything he's got. Okay. I'm asking you for a moment to complain about some of the things that you could complain about <laughs> well not even specifically uh, as this question but generally let's assume for the rest of this conversation let's not call it an interview right let's not call it an episode okay i think that the that being creative in all the forms mm-hmm. in any form for me is the meaning of my life certainly i don't know if it's the meaning of everyone's life but it's the thing that makes like i'm fucking this is the reason I didn't want to do Comcom Pod is I'm crackers and I don't think people need to know that. But gotcha. the thing that stops me being crackers is making stuff. And uh, and that's okay. all the things. And anytime I've been depressed or sad or stuck or anything, what always cures it is new material. Always. Uh, whenever I do a new material gig, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Don't know what was wrong with me. Like, Making something new is like magic to me. It's like, ah, oh, this is the fucking stuff, in it. This is why we're here, in it. I'm sure that's not true for everyone, but that's certainly my thing. When did you learn that? When did you first have that thought? Uh, I think. Look, I said something negative about my mum and dad. I'll say something positive about him. 
which is... <laughs> Let the record state you didn't say anything negative. Oh, OK. <laughs> you, you, you paid them a big compliment, hedged your bets about your role in it, and then paid them another compliment. <laughs> I remember this, is that when I was like eight or maybe eight at school, there was like a writer's short story thing. And I wrote a short story about a shipwreck, about a man being like, like cast away or whatever. And they'd said it was good. And my dad said to me, he said, you know, you can be a writer, like that's a job, like you can actually be a writer. And I think that, I, I think if I can pinpoint anything, I'd go, well, that was definitely uh, something where I thought, oh, really? Oh, cool. Great, then I'll, I'll do something like that then. Okay. Like that's a that's an actual thing, is it? And in terms of the so so, how did you get from that thought to being an actor to being a comedian? Uh, like, did you? Uh, and I'm going to guess. Yeah. I'm just going to guess here. Go when you said, when you said, um, how can I? I'll do anything to avoid having a real job. Yeah. Did you try some other things before you settled on? acting or writing or those kind of things because I did all manner of like I was just that's where that's where how I got into street performing was just going I just I need to do a thing I need to I've been a waiter I can't be a waiter I've been do you know what I mean how could like I I remember looking at one of those adverts for like you can stuff envelopes for a fiver an hour and thinking Mm. I could do that like as an alternative to a job rather than being like oh that would be a job (laughs) you know it's just the idea of work (laughs) yeah yeah do you know what I mean it just felt like it's impossible to to explain to someone now who's grown up with the internet. I mean, you know, I grew up with the internet, but I didn't have it mm. as a kid. The idea that you could just be on your own in your house and feel like you had no possibilities or connection to anything. Yeah. Who feels that anymore? Like, what will I do? Oh, I'll just get online and go, what will I do? Connect me up with some communities of people who don't know what they're doing. Who's got the ideas? Who's got bang, 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 a million ideas. Yeah. We just didn't have that. Yeah. So what sorts of things did you do initially? Well, well, I, I did all the, th- you know, I was always writing and acting. I always did like, you know, after school, like a local drama club or whatever. And then when I was at school, like I, I mean, I look back on it and I go, I didn't think of this at the time, but it sounds awful. I sound like the geezer in Rushmore. Like I put on a play, <laughs> like I wrote, I wrote, directed and acted a play for my last year for like yeah. drama. And then I and then I like took stuff to Edinburgh and did plays and shit. But I would always be in Edinburgh. But always secretly, I loved comedy, comedy, and I loved stand up. But I was always um, and I used to like get all the tapes of everything, and I was obsessive about it. But I didn't talk about it much because I felt scared. I just was like, well, that's the thing. That's too scary. Like that's the thing uh, other people do. I guess like I, I'm too whatever and I also used to like in Edinburgh be terrified of going to see stand-up because I wouldn't want to get picked on I'd be Ah. so terrified of it but I'd always loved it and then uh do you know what I'm going to tell you who's the guy one of the reasons I do stand-up Kevin Shepard do you know Ah, Kevin Shepard yeah of course of course I know Kevin Shepard so one one year I was up in Edinburgh doing a play and I was like on the Royal Mile flyering, and I, and every day I'd be next to Kevin Shepherd, who was doing a show called Comics uh, Die in Hot Cars. Comics Die in Hot Cars, I remember. Yeah. yeah, and which was a very early "Don't Create" document. Yeah, wasn't it? He was yeah. videoing he was him. Vid- and it was him was driving with comics. He was doing cars. Hundred, you know hundreds of thousands of miles. I'm sure a year. He must have been doing thirty thousand plus miles a year, going mm. gig to gig to gig, and ferrying comics around. And he made content with a very early small 
camera yeah. on his dashboard. He could see Seinfeld. He yeah. was the <laughs> yeah, comics dying in hot cars. Yeah, he was the guy, and um, and I and I sort of hung out with him, and he was so nice and like, and I say this with, as in he was a person. He wasn't yeah. like this sure. mythical god that you could. It was like, oh, he's a funny, nice guy, and I talked to him, and then I went to see his show, and I was like, oh, it's a thing. It's like, I think it was the first time I realized, oh, it's not like just magic it's a craft and you have to work at it and you'll get better at it just like anything and then I did a, and then I was like well I'll do it once and I won't and then I did a course I did uh, the which one Logan Murray's okay course so it was every Sunday and I didn't tell anyone I didn't tell anyone and it was like 10 weeks and I think people thought I'd got religious because I'd disappear every Sunday and then I did the I was just gonna at the end the reason I did it is at the end there was a showcase where you did a gig and I was like all right I'll do that one gig and then I could say to my grandkids I did stand up once and then I did that gig and it was like fucking <laughs> what it was such a fucking buzz and I didn't sleep for about a week and then I was like right I've got to do this and then I was like I know this is going to take 10 years at least to get good at and then I booked in as many gigs as I could and then I died 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 and then, you know, here I am, still dying. So this is Brett. I love him. <laughs> Don't you love those episodes where, at the middle blurb, it's me talking about how much I love the guest. I love Brett Goldstein. He is such a wonderful man. And I think on some level he's convinced he's a terrible person. And I don't buy it. Um, We will continue talking to Brett. We'll find out more about why the comedy community, for example, is like an AIDS quilt. Uh, Lots more exciting stuff with Brett coming right up. And, of course, this uh, this incredible project that he's concluded uh, work on now. Um, And he's been writing and he's been on the edit and all this incredible stuff for his show on AMC. We're going to get into that shortly. That's my son uh, knocking on the door, which he knows he's only supposed to do in case of emergency. Let's find out if it is. Yep, legit emergency, got stuck in the sofa and then bumped his head. So that's that dealt with. Uh, Apologies for that break in the programming. Remember, you can join the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders to find out about Brett's horrible time doing, not an entirely horrible time, but a transformative experience, let's call it, doing the Comedy Reserve at the Edinburgh Festival many years ago. We're going to talk a lot about Brett's Films to be Buried with podcast, which I really recommend. It's really fun to be able to uh, wholeheartedly recommend a thing. I did it. If you you want to weigh in, you won't want to weigh in because it's great, but I did an episode of it, I think a year ago, and it's so much fun. And it's just lovely for me to just sit and talk about something other than comedy. But it's a great format. It's basically Desert Island Discs for movies. And um, he has really made... I mean, I can I say that? It, it is basically that. Um, in the same way that this is the actor's studio for comics, which is to say it isn't really. So it's sort of that, but sort of not. But Brett is charming intelligent and erudite and all of those things you hear him being here. So check out Films to be Buried With. Um, I am going to keep doing these. This was... um, (laughs) I'm going to keep doing these. 
as a mission statement for you, part of the manifesto. Keep going. Um, on twitch.tv slash Stu Goldsmith, you can see these conversations being streamed live. There was an exciting bit in this one where we went off stream so that we could talk privately for a moment and then back on stream. Very exciting. Um, but for the most part, we had a bunch of people watching them and you can chat live and you can um, discuss. We we don't really... In the Infinite Sofa and at Chops Comedy, which is Tuesdays at 8, I will put this all in a one list somewhere. Um, you can uh, you can chat during the gig, and we can react. I'm, I'm hosting both those shows, and I can um, I can react to the sort of interactive chat, which is great fun. When we do streamed non-com pods on a Tuesday, often at one pm, occasionally later, but I try and inform you. Um, then you can chat as a community, but I tend not to refer to the chat because I'm trying to concentrate on my guest. I experimented with it briefly, and it's uh, it, it, it's just too distracting. I need to be lost, really, in Brett's wonderful eyes, for example. But uh, you can take part in that. And another thing we're thinking of doing, maybe on a Friday night, maybe some other time of day, let me know, because I'm all just sort of making this up as I go, uh, after podcast consultant Pete Dobbing's advice, my only job is to make heroic and exciting mistakes as frequently as possible. So. Uh, what we may do is do some of these during the day. Um, also, now that we have access to Twitch and the rest of the world and people like Cool Steven in Alabama uh, can just join in with the Infinite Sofa and have loads of fun. Apologies if you can hear uh, little rat noises. That's one of my little rats running around upstairs. The the rat that is able to run. You know the one. Um, so we may also do some kind of listen-along parties. So I might get a classic episode from the archives, maybe Patton Oswalt live at Montreal or uh, the Pete Holmes episode, perhaps the Stuart Lee one, uh, maybe the first Sarah Millican from way back in the day. And um, we will put them up on the Twitch feed, twitch.tv slash Goldsmith. And you can have it. We'll make it. We'll make an event. We'll mention it in the Facebook group. So whoever wants to can crowd along there, listen back collectively, using it like a sort of interactive radio. You can listen to it, but know that loads of other ComCom listeners will be there as well. And you can say things to each other in the chat function, like uh, Goldsmith's lost it. And uh, you can clearly hear him thinking of the next question. Was that a burp? Stuff like that. It's a full-on um, insider edit experience. All of that... Uh, is available twitch.tv slash Stu Goldsmith. I think on the comedianscomedian.com homepage, I'm going to put a big schedule of all the stuff I'm up to because things have changed quite radically of late for you as well as me, I'm sure. And coming up on the Infinite Sofa, over the next few weeks, we have such wonderful people as Zach Zucker, Rod Gilbert, Alistair Trembley Birchall, Elf Lyons, Marcel Lucant, Ian Sterling, and Josh Widdicombe. All of your fave, I mean, are, are all of them, they've all done the podcast apart from Sterling. I've got to get Ian on the show uh, before long. Um, so I really want you to come and see it because we have just... I mean, I, I, look, how much more could I keep banging on about this? I have to assume that people aren't listening to podcasts as much these days and maybe you've just dipped into this one. So I'm going to tell you as if you have never heard me bang on about it before in the last eight weeks. It's an incredibly interactive online chat show. It's like being on the Graham Norton show if you could suddenly be on the sofa with him and the other guests. People teleport in during the show. You donate to support it. That's how you get onto the sofa. You can find out all about this at infinitesofa.com. And what you end up with is wonderful Matthias, a member of the public from Germany, teleporting into the show in order to ask Sarah Millican to her face what her least favourite flower is. And it's just such a tremendous amount of fun 
I've never been part of something so interactive because it would be chaos. If you tried to do it in a room and got a bunch of famous, brilliant comedians and inventive people, basically all of my favourites, um, if you put them all in a room together with members of the public and tried to organise a sort of town hall where everyone could chip in, it would be a disaster. But because I am able to sit in the driver's seat and go mad with power and selectively mute and spotlight various people, it just makes sense because we can interact but also stay on top of it. It's like chaos but with clarity in the middle of it. It's just brilliant, and I'm desperate for you to see it. So, infinitesofa.com, that's Mondays and Thursdays at 9pm. By the time you'll have heard this episode, we will have had Alfie Brown, Anna Mann, Laura Lex, and my dear friend Spikey Will doing a live bed of nails, all on the show this Thursday. So you can find a link for previous episodes, drop in on them, they're all up on YouTube for now at least, and uh, all of that stuff. I'm not going to say it again, because you know, you can just hear me thinking, infinitesofa.com. Let's get back to Brett Goldstein. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So you said something that uh, uh, struck me, yeah. which is that you, um, you got a lucky gig. The way you got into the Pleasance Reserve yeah. is you had a particularly lucky gig. Yeah. And it just made me think, I... Um, I, like most comics, I think, regard my successes in, mm -hmm. say, competitions or pressure gigs or what yeah. have you, I regard them as me justifiably having the opportunity to do what I do well, right. <laughs> rather than I got lucky. <laughs> I, don't oh. I, I regard when I got kicked out of a competition, I regard that <laughs> as an injustice or a fuck-up. But any time I got through, I'm like, well, obviously I got through. Oh, that's interesting. Like, right? Yeah, isn't that oh, weird? Oh, no, I don't have that at all. I always think... Got away with it. I was lucky. You always think got away with it. So if you if you smash a gig, you come yeah. off thinking that you got away with it. Yeah. No, I think that... No, I do. I think that... But I also think that stand-up is a mental illness. And uh, and for me, it's like... I, I've said this before, but I do mean it. I think it's like heroin for me in that it makes me feel normal. It doesn't make me feel better, but it makes me feel normal. And if okay. I don't do it, I get very itchy. And, sure. um, uh, but I, I don't know, like you talked about flow and shit. Like it's when you're connected to the magic is when it's fucking amazing. But some of yeah. that is, and, and I now am more aware of that's part of your job. Part of the work is making sure you're, connected when you when you're about to go on stage yeah. and and that you're 
and that you have to remember... I, I'm not going to name this comedian, right? But there's a comedian who's very, very good and, was, and is much more... So when I was like an open spot, I was doing a gig and it was a small, really small gig. There were like, I don't know, fucking 18 people there and there was a girl whose birthday it was and she was quite rowdy and drunk. But it was her birthday and there's fucking 18 people in the room and the gig became about her, right? And that's sort of how it was. People were doing new material or whatever. And this very famous, much older, much more established comedian came on, had turned up because he lived locally and he was going to do like five minutes new stuff. Mm-hmm. And the girl whose birthday it was kept joining in and he fucking lost his shit at her. And he was like so angry and rude and like, this is a gig, you know, I'm here to do material. What the fuck are you doing? It's not about you and all this shit. And I always thought about that because I thought, in my eyes, he was wrong. Like, mm. it was about her, actually. That's sort of what the gig had become. Like, the, the room, you've you got to play the room. There was a way of still hopefully being able to do his material. But what he yeah. couldn't do is not acknowledge what was happening in the room. Because that's why stand-up is beautiful. Because it is live that night. It's whatever is happening that night. And you have to be... Uh, aware enough of I came here with a plan and now that plan's got to change because Mm -hmm. this is what is happening and I I remember feeling sorry for the girl because the girl was so shocked by his anger and I got it because in her mind it was like what's happened here we were all having fun and you've you've, um, like she wasn't being mean heckling she she had as she had been all evening there was a way that evening could have gone differently at the beginning but by the time he was on it was like part of the show is this and you have to acknowledge that and you can't go, this is not what a show is. It's like, well, it is now. This is what the show is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, that's really, that's like, that's such a kind of a toys out the pram thing of like, the, what the comedian's effectively saying is that this isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's nuts. Okay. Before we wrap up, I want to cover a, a, a few more things. I want to talk about Lone Island. Yes. Um, I want to uh, talk about the writing of the show, your, like your kind of longer story mm-hmm. stand-up shows. Yeah. Um, and the and the fact of them being based in a sort of true story, mm-hmm. like I remember the Burning Man show and the um, the working in a strip club show mm-hmm. in particular. Um, but before we get to them, in what way does you being crackers manifest? <laughs> I think you've heard. <laughs> Is it not all clear? I don't think it is. I can't tell Mm. whether you are crackers and keeping a lid on it or whether you are pretty much normal and are terrified that everyone will think you're crackers. Uh, You're you're somewhere between those two, right? No, I I think if you... I think my girlfriend, who is in the house in lockdown with me uh, and has now seen me 24 hours a day, she's like... Oh, you are... <laughs> now I have a witness. Oh, right. And I was like, this has always been... This has always been thus. Look, I'm a, I, I, whether it's good or bad, and, and it's obviously... Uh, I am a serious workaholic, as in, all jokes aside, I work all the time, and I create work. I, I put myself in a position where I am working all the time. To, to 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 weigh if you were going like work life balance you go well that is very not you've really not balanced that out okay um, 
and whether that's and that's like a healthy healthy <laughs> yeah there, of, there are more harmful things to be addicted to than work yeah sure. uh, and and mostly I love it but then sometimes I catch myself going like fucking hell it is like a, it's a prison of your own making you know it's a it's a it's a nice prison of your own making that you can't get out yeah. because you've set up far too many. It's like, that's why I was asking about your Twitch bringing you stress. It's like you've, you've created this thing that's very cool, but suddenly this thing that's very cool needs attention seven days a week and you need to be doing stuff. And suddenly it's like your workload has increased to an extent that might actually not be pleasant. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think I'm, I don't like to call myself a workaholic because I think I am... I'm not lazy. I sometimes feel quite lazy. And the mm. elements of me that are a bit workaholic-y are a sort of reaction to, I've got to do something, otherwise I'll do nothing. But I provably did nothing for fucking years. When I was doing street shows at the weekends and smoking dope Monday to Friday, I, I mean, I still had some other things going on. Yeah. There was a lot of tension and anxiety, and I was basically using cannabis to self-medicate for anxiety, though I didn't know it at the time. I was like, mm. oh, if I get stoned, then I can't worry about myself because I can't worry about not doing any work because I've put myself beyond use, mm. <laughs> you know. So um, so I feel like the elements of me that are a bit workaholic-ish are, like, my, my whole approach to it is I want to build machines that do all the work for me, whether that machine is right. a show or a podcast or an automated system or, a you know, I'm, mm -hmm. everyone, <laughs> I was going to say, everyone's sick to death of all these Facebook adverts about click funnels and automated marketing. And then I realised, oh, no, no, they're not. No one else sees them. I, I click on them. a few every so often, and that's why they're all I ever fucking Never see. heard of a click funnel. Yeah, exactly. Fine. So, um, but that's, that's, that's the manifestation of my kind of workaholism. And I think I... There's a thing, and again, I won't name the comedian, but there's a comic who, um, who is always, always working. Just always, 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 always working. And me and my wife both know him, and our observation about him is that... It's like being, for him, we wonder if being a comedian is like being the DJ at a party. If you're the DJ at a party, you get to go to loads of parties, but you also don't have to go to any parties. Yes. Right? You don't have to interact with people because you're busy. Yeah. And that's, you can use comedy like that, and this particular person does. And like the elements of me that are a bit like that are, like I, I know so many people, but I'm too scared to pick up the phone to any of them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I really, I don't think to, you and I should spend a lot more time calling each other on long drives, mm. you know, or that kind of stuff than we yeah, do. Yeah. We should. I really, I love you and I really get yeah. on with you. And, um, and but instead I just, I just listen to your podcast. And... <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. You, <laughs> shout, you know, I'll be going, what are what Brett's up to? And you'll take me and go, well, I'm listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I suppose, what am I asking? I suppose that that workaholism for me, that mm -hmm. kind of, to, to bring those two threads together, the part of me which is like, oh, I can't ring my mates because I'm too busy because I've made a decision to be too busy to ring my mates. Do you yeah. mean? Like I'm aware that I do that as a means of controlling my time, I suppose. A hundred percent. Yeah, I work because I love work and also to avoid anything else, I suppose. And And what's the root of the thing that you're avoiding? Is it that you are shy and you don't want to risk exposing yourself socially i wonder if i'm like an introverted extrovert but then anyone who's an extrovert worries that because it makes it being an extrovert seem like less of a dickhead <laughs> do you know what I mean? yeah i always think <laughs> i feel sorry for extroverts in the introvert extrovert game because it's it does always sound like 
cool guy or yeah. dickhead. We yeah, see totally. you. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Oh, it's like all comedians now self-identifying as self-diagnosing as uh, adult ADHD. Certainly, yeah. some of us are, but a lot more of us are like, I think I'm, I thought I was a jerk, but maybe it's a condition. Like, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? yeah. Um, so, what? So, do you have an inkling of of what it is that you're avoiding by working? I mean, sure. Listen, I've done again. I've, I have addressed some of this in stand up. Is like. I do stand up so I never have to go to a dinner party. Uh, and that is true. It's a joke that is completely true. Like, it's a great excuse stand up as well because it's every night and no one can argue with a gig. You've got a gig. Like, so talk us through the dinner party that you're avoiding. What would happen at the dinner party? Uh, dinner party is up? like my idea of a nightmare. Like... A dinner party is like a group job interview. <laughs> Everyone's staring at each other across a fucking table, asking, <laughs> it'll be like this, like this, but with more people. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> asking questions? I don't know. What do people do at dinner parties? I don't know. Is it, is it about, I suppose what I'm wondering, given everything you've said, is it about exposure of the self? Are you? Is that is that the root of it for you? That you feel like you would have to, if you uh, have to answer questions, if you have to admit who you are. Mm. Uh, I don't know, and also I just don't know how people behaved. You know what I mean? Like I, just, I don't know what you're meant to do at a dinner party. Oh right. Oh lovely. How was? Oh. <laughs> also, I hate some... small talk. I hate small talk. Ah. I can't do small talk. That's the the main issue. And so, look, I'm probably not unlike you in that, for me, I'd rather be straight to uh, where you touched as a child than, how's the, how's the weather? Sure. And so maybe I'm not a great candidate for a dinner party. Hey, how you doing? We touched as a child. <laughs> oh, lovely asparagus. <laughs> Show me on the ratatouille. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I also think, I don't know, it's groups, isn't it? I'm a better one-on-one person. I don't know. That, I mean, are you? Is that a thing? Is that a I thing? Is that just a way of kind of making whatever your thing that you're hiding <laughs> sound acceptable? I don't know. What do you want from me? <laughs> Tears, and I want them now. <laughs> Am I happy? No. Uh, I um, Okay. Is what I'm avoiding. Boredom. That is my biggest fear, is boredom. And my idea of a dinner party, based on not having been to a dinner party, <laughs> is that it would be boring. And I have had... And I and part of making stuff and doing stuff and being completely self-generating of stuff is it's on me not to be bored. And I've had experiences with... There are times where I've been with certain people where I think this is so boring that I would rather be dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't want to be here. I can go and do something else and not be bored. Maybe you've got ADHD. Maybe if you're, maybe if the <gasps> I idea knew it. of boredom, maybe if it's like, if the idea of being, because I, I feel the same sometimes, I, mm. I suppose... No, I don't feel exactly the same. I suppose for me it is it's 
Oh, God, it's the bit before the actual chat happens, before the actual conversation happens, you know? It's the it's the it's like the fear of the... For something good to happen, we both need to sit here quietly until we actually have a real conversation. This is what my brother is. My brother's an introvert, right? So when we, it took me years to learn. Cool guy. The, the way to... Cool guy. The way to learn... The, it took me years to learn the way to speak to him is just to shut up and just let him come to me conversationally. Because otherwise, there's a sort of gap between us. I love him. I love him so much. Mm. And we were really close as kids and our lives took very different paths. And obviously he he's my little brother and I'm a dickhead, right? So he's the cool guy. He's the introvert yeah. cool guy. Having to grow up in the shadow of a dickhead and sort of making a lot of decisions based on mm, not that, please. Um, so it took me a long time to learn that by being quiet and going, hello, mate, I... I can just kind of sit quietly. and But for me, it's hard to sit quietly because I'm like, is this silence okay? And then he'll say something about American politics or a podcast or something. And I'll be like, really? And we'll get into it and we'll have no. a proper conversation because he can't do small talk. And if I try and fill the gap between us with small talk, mm. he is aware that I'm doing it and fucking hates it because it's like I'm going, this is awkward, so I have to do small talk. To me, it's a classic sort of dynamic that I've only really got under the skin of in the last five years or so. So, I don't know why I mentioned that. Well, it's, it's pertinent, but also, I suppose there's some sort of follow-up question required, which I can't think of. <laughs> it's all right. Thank God I'm <laughs> off the hook. Um, yeah. Yeah. But all of these, yeah, you know. It's, uh, and look, and, and I, well, I'll tell you another thing I think about stand-up, is I think, A... I genuinely love and I'm grateful for all the time. And I don't want to sound like a bellend, the community. I love yeah, right. I love it. And I miss this pandemic. I miss gigs so much. And what I realise is I miss like hanging out at the back of a gig with like, that's one of the great joys of life is hanging out at the back of a gig. And, um, and sometimes I think I have a theory. I don't know if I've ever said this before, that being a star, you know, if you want to, if you want to, play you have to be in the game you have to become a stand-up and once you're in the stand-up community it's like making an AIDS quilt it's like making a giant AIDS quilt because everyone all of us are whatever you want to call it I don't like to use this word because it sounds pretentious but in some ways philosophers we're all thinking what's the point of this what does this mean what's that right and everyone has their take on certain things and it gets added to the AIDS quilt. And so, like, you know, you have top to toe sleeping, James Acaster, that goes in the... Oh, you know the uh, top to toe sleeping? If you look on the quilt of, of all the stand-up, yeah, it's like... Yeah, okay. It's there. And then it's like, oh, everyone's got... He's got that bit on that. And it sort of builds into this big old quilt of the stand-up. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. And if you want to yeah. add to the AIDS quilt, you have to be a stand-up. Have AIDS. Or be <laughs> AIDS. <that> the... <laughs> You have to be, yes, yeah, so to be in the gang. Because it's pride, isn't it? You're proud to be part of the community. It's the only only thing I'm proud of. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, as in, I never liked being put in any kind of box, but the one box I'm happy to be put in is stand-up. Because I go, that's not bad. So do you, are you writing more stand-up at the moment? Are you still, like, have you left us for movies and American TV? What was the American TV thing you did and is it ongoing? I haven't done my research because this isn't an episode of the Comcom Pod. <laughs> uh, I, I've been making a TV show for AMC 
uh, called Soulmates. Uh, I believe it will be on air in October. We are in post-production of it. It has been a mammoth job. Uh, Six-hour episodes, an anthology series. Uh, I have co-created it, co-written it, co-showrun it with Will Will Bridges. We filmed it in Madrid. It is set in America. And it's a beast of a thing. And I'm very proud of it. And it's been, even for a workaholic, slightly too much work. (laughs) (laughs) Even I've been like, fucking hell, I I could use some sleep, couldn't I? I'm trying to think of an episode of the podcast in which I have more comprehensively buried the lead <laughs> than this, an hour and 15 minutes in. Oh, yeah, haven't you just created your own TV show for us? Yeah. So it's in post-production. Are you part of We're post-production? Very nearly, yeah, I've been part of every, every single aspect of it. Uh, and it's, Are you in it? I'm not in it. It's an anthology. Okay. I'm not in it. I will, if there's a second series, I will be in one of the episodes okay. that... I was meant to be in it, but I couldn't do it for another reason. Uh, uh, and it's, yeah, we're nearly, we are like a week away from finally signing off oh, the whole man. the whole thing. It's been like a year of work. But, yeah. This must be the first time you've taken on an achievement, uh, 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 taken on a, a, what's the word, you know, a challenge, this gargantuan yeah. What's the main thing you've learnt from it from day one to now? <laughs> a, it's a prison of your own making. <laughs> uh, I've learned that it's incredible. Well, I think it's a lesson that I've learned before, but that I've learned harder, which is it's you have to never stop fighting. And I don't mean like fighting, but I mean... If you care about the thing enough, which you should do, you sh- I, I sort of think you should be a perfectionist. I think I think that. I think when people go, oh, he's such a perfectionist, I go, that's a good thing. That means you're really, really trying to make this thing good. But okay. what it means is it's such a long process and, and, and there's so many aspects to it and there's so many things and so many people, are blah, blah, blah. And you just have to never give up. Because it gets to a stage where you might want to change just one little thing, but changing that one little thing means it affects a hundred other people and it's annoying. It's annoying for people for you to change that one little thing. And so most people want an easier life, so they'll just go, it's fine, that little thing is fine. But Mm -hmm. you have to remember, no, it's not fine. (laughs) It's got to be, because that little thing matters because all the little things matter. And... And it's sometimes, it's just kind of, again, this isn't a real complaint, but as in sometimes it's tiring in terms of just the relentlessness and the length of it, that it's easy to occasionally think, ah, oh, forget it, that that will do. And I think you, I don't know if I, I don't know if I 100% think this, I may change my mind of it, but I don't think you should say that will do. Uh, it's just more work and slightly more awkward conversations and it might mean people being annoyed at you and it might mean, you know, there's kind of emotional stuff that you have to learn to sort of accept because ultimately you have to think if the thing's really good, the people that are annoyed are going to be happy because it was really good Yeah. in the end. 
it's just slightly awkward. There are things like that. Do you know what I mean? Have you planned for how you'll feel and what you'll do if it's a massive success and if it isn't a massive success? Uh, that's a good question, Stuart. I think that I don't think about... Uh, my baseline is no one will watch it, everyone will hate it. So it's just... That is, they do say that's a brilliant way to live your life. Yeah, and I do all, all, I think that of all things. So, so my expectations are zero and anything is a bonus. I'm, yeah, that's, that is the truth. In t- if it was a massive success, I'm in no way, I think I'd be like, oh, I've got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> and can you see an end to that point? Can you ever see yourself doing something brilliant and getting used to the idea that maybe it's because you're good and you work hard? Is not that way ruin? Is it not? Is that not the road to ruin? I don't know. Genuinely, the don't road know. to ruin to admit to yourself to accept that you are good and you work hard, not to accept that you're the best guy or you know, right. but just to accept that you have worth <laughs> as an artist. Is that the road to ruin? Look, there are many things in mental health. You know this. Uh, there are things that are, that are difficult where you go, this thing that may not be healthy, on the other hand, has served me well so far. Sure. You know what I mean? And to, and to change the thing is risky and may, may make your life better. But also you go, but it's served me well this far. This, uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes, I think I think my notion is that I have been so profoundly unhappy mm-hmm. that I made a decision to serve the happiness. Whenever I caught myself making my mind up, I would try and serve the happiness rather than the perfection. I love the thing that. my therapist said to me years ago, dare to be average. I and for me, that. I was like, I had exactly the same feeling of like, that's the road to ruin. That's the beginning mm. of the end. If you, if you stop desperately needing to be amazing, that's the beginning of the end. That's where all these non-amazing pricks come from. Mm. You know, I remember yeah. thinking that, and I think I have decoupled that and thought that you can want something and deserve it and accept it, and that isn't the same as needing it. But that is my own particular journey, and I completely empathise with where you are on the fear of the road to ruin, particularly when you have... And that must be a real curse of successful people. You've got your own film away that you starred in. I've mm. watched your movie on my telly. Do you know what I mean? That's big. Yeah. And... Thanks. Uh, you are... Uh, it's, a, it's a big telly, is what I meant. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> and, um, and I think... Yeah, I, I, I know where you're coming from. I know where you're coming from because it has served you. This, you know, the perfectionism has served you and but the it, workaholism has served you. Yeah. You've got some of the things you wanted. But if you continue down the route of the perfectionism and the workaholism, will the things that they're telling you you need ever be enough to cure them? Uh, um. I think there's, whether it's, it, maybe it's a lie I tell myself, 
but I don't, and I don't think it is a lie to tell myself, is that making stuff under work, the, the process of it is the stuff that makes me happy. So when you say happiness or perfection, I go, it's the, the thing. The, the, like I like rehearsing a play more than I like performing a play in front of mm-hmm. audience. I like the... Because yeah. it's whole, the journey, not the destination. Yeah, I like the journey and I like, and it's, uh, I, I find it exciting. It, it's thrilling to me, all of that stuff. And, um, and I had a, uh, about, well, fucking nearly over, just over a year ago, I was in LA for pilot season I had, as I always have, which I've been doing for like five years or whatever, and I had loads of projects in development like I always have and doing all the things that I was always doing. And I had a kind of realisation which was like, I think I've missed my slot, is what I thought. I thought, I think I've actually missed the spot where I can do a Brett Goldstein show or, or I think that time has passed and I think I have to accept that and know that I enjoy writing and I can help people script write and I can still do gigs and I can I can live the life that I have but it's never going to be there's never going to be the 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 Brett Goldstein thing mm-hmm. and I think that that's okay because what I love is the making of the stuff so I can just be script editor on some show and do blah blah, blah. and I had that realization and I genuinely sort of made peace with that and then immediately I got a <laughs> TV, sh- TV show picked up and another show and a writing job, like the busiest year of my entire life. And I go, doesn't that, doesn't that mean something? Or you know what I mean? Like, don't you go, it, what, I, what happened next is I didn't, I didn't, I don't know, realise I love nature and sit in a field for a year and go, do you know what? I'm just happy with this. What happened next was a shit ton of work that I'd been trying to get away for years suddenly happened. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I do, I do. Do you think that you're... Um, do, you, do you believe in the universe in that way? That, like, the universe was trying to give me a thing? Or do you believe that what happened was it was coincidence? Or do you believe that you held yourself differently because you'd stopped caring and it was that that sold the stuff? What do you believe? Uh... I do believe in in a bit of magic. Uh, not that the universe has a big old grand plan for it, although maybe I don't know anymore. But I definitely think that there is it, it, that it wasn't coincidence. It seems okay. odd to me that I'd been. It was the it's the whole thing of resistance and not resistance. I'd been striving for this thing for so long, and when I stopped, the striving whatever the word is the the wrong part focusing on the wrong part of getting the thing rather than just the the thing yeah yeah suddenly it all kind of happened what's the uh what's the mission what's the ultimate mission what's the what someone sees okay thought experiment mm. some huge hotshot producer guy yeah. sees your anthology show tell me again the title of it Soulmates. Soulmates, because I'm not going to see you in a picture for it because you're not in it. So yeah. I'm going to look out for soulmates. We see the this guy sees the this guy sees the anthology show mm-hmm. and says, "Oh, I'm actually the representative of uh, Bezos. I've got infinite resources. What do yeah. you want to do? He loves your stuff. What do you want to do?" Oh, I want to. I just want to make more stuff. Thank you, uh, <laughs> but in an unlimited creative way where I could also go. 
I want to make a show in the desert where people have to get a coach to get to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, like, I, that, I want to, like, make all sorts of stuff with infinite resources. I have an idea for a show in the desert, but it's far too complicated and expensive. Can we do that? That's what um, I want to do. Pixar. You want to do uh, something like what's the most? I was just thinking in terms of research. What what type of filming uses the most resources? Is it oh, probably a Marvel is it, film? Is it? It's probably a Marvel film. Yeah. Do you want to? Are you in the MCU? I feel like you're the sort of person who might secretly turn up in the MCU. <laughs> I, it is it, a dream of mine to do a, a Super Bob uh, popping up in a oh, in an oh, Avengers film right. to do some. Do you admin. know, bloody Evelyn Mock is in the MCU. Is she? Yes, What's yes, she is. She has a line. She's a reporter in. Oh, she's um, in Spider Man Far From Home. Spider Man Far From Home. There we are. Bloody Shout out mock. To mock. <laughs> Bloody mock. <laughs> Turning up in the MCU like that. Yeah. Um, tell us about Lone Islands, and we'll wrap up. So my real thing that I am proud of that I do think <laughs> that I do think it has worth and is arguably my greatest work is that when this pandemic started, uh, I was in lockdown a week earlier because of someone I'd been working with that had symptoms. And so I was already locked in a week before we were officially locked in. And I was going mad and anxious. And then I had an idea to start a fake reality TV show called Lone Island, in which I play a character who's gone on Lone Island, uh, but because of the coronavirus, there are no other uh, people coming. And he starts having dates with a plant and a ball and it's now I've already and I've made it a weekly thing and and again for what it is the amount of work I put into it is insane (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm show running Lone Island and uh, (laughs) and uh, and I try and release them once a week and it's now got quite quite a complicated narrative and there's now four main characters one of which is a plant and one of which is a ball and uh and uh yeah and 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 i'd say it's genuinely my greatest work <laughs> and when you say when you say for what it is it's quite complicated by what it is you mean it's a method of deliberately complicating your life in order to save your relationship and your mental health <laughs> and and for one of those it's pretty complicated <laughs> yeah, yeah for for what what looks like a silly sketch on the internet you go Man, man spending hours on this thing like days and hours doing reshoots pickups my poor girlfriend who is the crew you know i'm like right we've got to do a pickup because <laughs> um, that shot's wrong plant what I... is plant's motivation in this scene that sort of thing. where can we find lone island uh instagram and twitter uh, okay m- mr brett goldstein is my yep. instagram and brett goldstein is my twitter and on youtube is that does that mean by the time you came to Instagram, somebody had already taken Brett Goldstein? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Some other Brett Goldstein, furious. You know, there's a, taken out from... there's a Brett Goldstein in America who is a stand-up, who is like no. a very open spot stand-up and, has, and keeps putting up videos on YouTube of like his very bad open spot gigs where I want to write to him and go, not only are you getting me in trouble... But yeah. don't post these gigs, man. You're not ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Change your name. That's, cla- that's stop classic. Posting you. the gigs. I'm annoyed, and here's some lovely, kind advice. 
mate that's all we've got time for it's Thank a God joy to that. speak to you uh, it's over you've done it it's so <sighs> and one time I'll get you back on the actual podcast surely that was the <laughs> fucking can... actual podcast <laughs> so that was Brett thank you so much to Brett for coming along thank you for letting me put that out <laughs> thank you for um just thanks for being a top pal, listening to all the shows. I wonder if this will remain the one episode that Brett doesn't listen back to. Let's all talk about him. Um, I, I'm just in awe of his work ethic. I am sympathetic to his workaholism. And I just think he is one of the best people to spend any time with whatsoever. What a huge loving. But you know what I mean. He's just a shining example of someone who gets shit done, is very, very talented and absolutely hates himself and doesn't think he's good enough. And listen, if we can't all learn something from that, whether it's because we feel the same or because we don't feel the same and we're jealous of people who are more successful than us, but don't realise that they absolutely are crackers, then uh, <laughs> there's, there's something there to be learned in any direction. Thank you, Brett, for coming on the show. I reiterate my love for you and my gratitude for letting that evolve the way that it did. Thanks also, of course, to Nathan Wood. Thank you for editing, uploading, producing the show. Thank you to JK Crossland for the logging. Thanks to podcast consultant Pete Dobbing. The music was by Rob Smouten, who you can find uh, playing with his band's Grosvenor, deliberately spelt like that, Grosvenor, and uh, Black Peaches as well. He's uh, uh, He's been doing some brilliant stuff on his Instagram, actually. I think it's underscore Black Peaches underscore. Have a look for that. Um, he's been doing some wonderful, wonderful guitar stuff. So thank you to Rob. Thank you to you for listening and sharing the show and telling people about it, even and especially during this time of crisis. Thank you to Callum Morin and David Hoare, who have been co-running uh, The Infinite Sofa with me, as well as various other twitchy endeavours. And uh, yeah, that's all the thanks is. I think, oh, that's it. I, do you know what? I meant to do this at the very top of the show and I forgot. Thank you as well to this week's uh, Insiders Club subscribers. Cassie Graham, Graham McMillan, no relation. <laughs> Why would they be? Uh, Richard Young, Joe Canches and uh, Jeff Shaw. Thank you all. If you would like to join the Insiders Club, you can get hold of all of this backstage stuff on films to be buried with, as well as uh, Brett's brutal boot camp at the Edinburgh Festival as a new squit, um, plus a lot of, frankly, unsolicited advice from me unsolicited advice from I'm trying to take that twice now but um, I actually think I said it right the first time you can leave that in Nathan um, advice that was not re required or solicited um, from me regarding Brett's mental health lots of fun to be had there comedianscomedian.com slash insiders and infinitesofa.com for all of that stuff and do listen back to that trailer the previous episode it's an absolute banger the sound quality on the on the podcast doesn't really reflect how live it is in the room you don't really notice that because it's all kicking off but i hope it gives you a sense of the sort of wonderful chaos of the show i'll speak to you next week bye for now is there a post ambler am i too busy maybe i'm too busy what have i got to post amble about i'm oh, moving fast and trying to navigate all of the life things that you do and we're all coping and uh, what else is new people that hate my footwear that's new <laughs> um i've uh, i've managed to dim i i would love to maybe where can i put a i'll, I'll put in the in the the facebook comcom group the latest i think this is the ninth iteration of my studio which is my macbook with so many cables running out of it balanced on a tray on top of three things full of my wife's old school stuff and 
some juggling equipment and then a little stream cam on top of it and then behind it a kind of foot away a little display the third I've attempted to make work um, on a desk made from composite decking planks with a little circular light on a on a on a thing on a clip and I've got to decorate the thing between me I tell you what here's the post amble if you can suggest how better to check in on infinite sofa and if you can suggest how better to decorate what's behind me I think it needs at the very least a shelf but then I'm sort of very self-consciously putting things on a shelf that I feel represent me which is what everyone does but maybe there's some there's some more beautiful way of doing it I don't know god I tell you what chops last night um, everyone was brilliant. Josie Long was fantastic. Someone in the in the chat pointed out that the lens flare on her inexpertly lit uh, sort of mise en scène of her um, of her laptop camera, the lens flare made it look like Chops was directed by J.J. Abrams. Very very funny. Um, but Paul F. Taylor was a revelation. I got to get him on the show. I interviewed him for Next Up Comedy recently, and uh, so that's sort of quite in my mind. And I feel like I need to give it a, a breath and and. Uh, like, I feel like I've already done a com-com with him to a certain extent quite recently. So I'm going to get that out of my head and then have him on the show. Helen Duff as well on the sofa recently. It's so lovely to be, to see. But particularly what Paul F. Taylor did is he's, if you, I don't know if you know his stuff, but he is, um, he's got that kind of loopy approach to comedy that is kind of, what do I mean? They're, they're, they're jokes, but in the same way that Harry Hill writes jokes. They're jokes, but they're like like really off the wall stuff about hands, you know. And he'll just get everything out of our hands. Or he did a bit last night about um, the fact that we name sea creatures based on sea versions of land creatures and not the other way around. If the, I'm not going to murder the bit, but that is what a premise. And he was so so funny. And the the thing, the point I'm making is he has really dived into Divan dived into this um the the new version of what it means to gig during the pandemic to to like he had visual jokes set up there was a kind of sketch element to it that you weren't expecting um i, I don't want to spoil it in case you go back and watch it somewhere or, or see him do the set somewhere else but it's just so in, in encouraging to see people go oh right this is what you can do is it oh let's play with all of this and you just sit there watching this is a proper comedian this is someone who's just gone you know in the same way that um Whoever it was that first said, I'll move the mic stand out of the way so you can see me, because I've seen a lot of people, a lot of larger comics uh, use that line, and I'm sure it was uh, simultaneously developed all over the world, but someone came up with it first. Um, or William Stone, uh, one of my favourite new acts, has a brilliant one-liner comic. He has, I, I won't ruin the joke here, but a lovely original joke about the moment in the set when a comic goes before I go. It's things like that. It's like the equivalent of those, but in webcam-based stand-up. So exciting. Makes me really wish I'd um, not bothered doing an online massively interactive chat show and instead just uh, written a load more jokes. Maybe I'll have to take a week off the sofa and actually get back to being a comedian. Nah! <laughs> no, I will. I will, I will. But um, uh, I, I will in due course. I, 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 wrote, I wrote a joke earlier on. I don't know if it was any good. But I did write. I did. I had the moment. The moment. I, I had that moment of going, like, I've been doing so much other stuff. Mentoring. You can still go to comedianscomedian.com slash lunch if you'd like to book a kind of business lunch mentoring session with me. Those have been great fun. Um, but I've been talking about comedy, even by my standards. I've been talking about comedy more than creating comedy, um, more than writing comedy. The sofa's funny and I'm sort of adding content and improvising on it. But I haven't been sitting writing jokes per se. And... Uh, something popped into my head earlier on and I remembered to make a note of it. Yes.
the the old the old skills bothering to write down a thing that you thought that really is one of the skills of comedy is much much overlooked any book on comedy is just it's just two rules isn't it when you have an idea bother to write it down and then try and do something with it and keep trying that's it that's the entire course Anyway, that'll do, that'll do. I've, um, uh, I've got a tech rehearsal for a thing and then I've got a, another thing and then I've got a live pod with Pope Lonigan, a non-com pod with Pope Lonigan, who uh, does his own podcast, Pope's Addiction Clinic. He's been doing Twitch a lot as well and we're going to talk. He actually works in frontline care of the elderly during the pandemic and I, I believe during the rest of the time as well. So that is going to be fascinating. I'm going to go off and prepare for that. Bye for now. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.